What's everybody drinking, fellas? I have a 12-year-old single malt scotch. Now, if you ask me what brand, good luck. It's Scottish. How about that? Phil, did the bottle come with the label? Yes, but it's upstairs. Begins with A, ends with C, and there's a whole bunch of letters in between. Oh, ends and C. Oh, that's a whole different story. There you go. Now, if somebody who's listening can guess what it is, hey, kudos. Nice. I've got a smoked beer from Quebec from Lagabier, which is like a small artisan thing, and then just a good tall glass of Glenfiddich just to round myself out, because why the hell not? It's Wednesday night. Glenfiddich, you're really trying to kill me there. Is what it is. It was on the bar, and it wasn't a nice <laughs> bottle, so I was like, yeah, I can open that up and just drink away at it. <laughs> For those that don't know, Randy tried to kill me with a bottle of Glenfiddich at my bachelor party. Oh yeah, that's right, I did, didn't Many, I? many moons ago. Yeah, yeah. Blunt force trauma is never the answer. <laughs> so I have a liqueur Saint-Pierre-et-Miquelon, which is a product of Saint-Pierre-et-Miquelon, which is part of France, with I bought in France during the French Grand Prix when I was in France. The label looks like it's been cut with scissors and colored with pencil crayons. And it says, Fait Maison par Daniel Marie. Made at the house of Daniel Marie on the back. Literally made in his bathtub. I agree. So it's moonshine. It's a liqueur with the fresh fruits of the islands of St. Pierre and Miquelon. And it tastes a little bit fruity and a little bit musty, quite frankly. I didn't think anybody could make the French Grand Prix sound douchier, but somehow you just did it. I didn't want to buy a bottle of Pernod Ricard because Phil couldn't pronounce that. That's fair. Speaking of France, <laughs> Spence, what are you wearing, drinking, doing? What am I wearing? That's a little bit of a personal <laughs> question for a podcast, Randy, but in terms of what I'm drinking, I've got some Uncle Nearest 1856 Tennessee Ooh, good whiskey. Choice. I thought that Gareth would like it. It is 50% though and caught me a little off guard when I went for my first sip. Yeah, you look like you were breathing fumes yeah. there for a second. <laughs> we should have been recording that point. Yeah, it was like a full-on grandpa cough. Like it. It's lights out on another episode of Flippin' F1. We've been gone for a few weeks. It seems that we've just been a little bit too busy to record. So welcome to our absolutely no format middle of the season. Except it's not the middle of the season, so we'll call it summer break episode. That's right. There are no rules. We are just going at it. It's going to be a good time. Lots has happened. There's been the French Grand Prix, which was very French. The Hungarian Grand Prix, which left us a little bit wanting more. Plus, we also had the beginning of the silly season, which kicked off quite nicely and then slowed down in some ridiculous amount of silliness. All kinds of things to talk about, so not going to get into it. We'll do our regular bits of a little bit of box, 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 bingo, chat about stuff that doesn't matter, maybe say something that actually does, and utterly, in the end, just be us. We're glad you joined us, so stick around. This is going to be a fun 45 minutes to an hour or so. All right. As always, with me, the panel. Stax, how you doing, man? Oh, you know, COVID sucks, but I'm feeling better, and I'm happy to be chatting about F1 now. Seriously, that is like my only memory of the French Grand Prix is that Gareth went to an island in France, got sick, and watched the thing in bed. It might have even been on the French ferry where nobody wore a mask. Who knows? Thanks, friends. Let it go, friends. Though, French Grand Prix, if you want to invite us to come, we godly will. So, If it ever happens again. If you still exist. If <laughs> <laughs> you exactly. happen next year, let us know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of which, we hear him there. The professor's in town. What's going on, man? Hi, I'm doing good. It's good to be here. It's good to be back. I'm glad we've got people recovering from their various ailments and found some 
smidge of time that we can record something and pontificate as usual. And of course, always rounding us out from the left coast, Spence. Always rounding us out, Randy. I'm here. I've got some whiskey. I'm doing good. And he rounds us out because he's got a giant spherical head. (laughs) (laughs) So we haven't been doing this for four weeks and it's going to get a little personal, everybody. All right. I forgot. I was missing something. Uh, That's right there for you, Phil. Oh, excellent. A hat with a tag. Where's my scissors? With a tag. That's right. This is the (laughs) Shanghai edition. (laughs) For our listeners who can't see Randy's hat, he loves wearing hats with the tags on them so he can remember how much he overpaid for F1 merchandise. That's all the kids wear their drip these days, you old guy. Come on now. (laughs) Spence, you're no younger than the rest of us. (laughs) I didn't even realize I was wearing drip. That's all right. (laughs) Hey, as as probably the only millennial on this panel, I have to say, oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, Gareth actually is as well. I got to represent for the young people. Out there on the interwebs. <laughs> Whatever. Don't fuck with Gen X, man. We left the house at seven in the morning unsupervised and stayed that way till the lights came on. So, <laughs> and we still love to talk about it. Yeah, man. I'm like, <laughs> we're all still here. Everything's fine. That's good. All right. Play the clip. Bingo! As always, it's everybody's favorite game box, 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 bingo. We're not going to go through every single box this time. But this will let us know how things went and kind of do a quick review of a couple of races that we just didn't have a chance to record. Things have been busy. Things have been covid Things have been just a little bit nuts. But let's get into that wonderful, wonderful race at Paul Rickard. How did things go? Anybody? <laughs> it went. Bill, what did you race recap for us? Real no, quick? no. I mean, it was for once at a circuit that is notoriously one of the most boring in the world and most nauseous to watch normally. It was rather interesting. It had a couple of nice highlights, a couple of good moments. We ended up with Charles and Verstappen on the front row of the qualifying grid, but it didn't end that way in the final result. And the Mercedes seemed to find their path to the podium, which was really neat. So in the end, Verstappen came in first and Leclerc hit the wall and George and Hamilton somehow managed to make it onto the podium. I think I want Charles's primal scream as my ringtone for like every time each one of you guys call. That was, that to me was the radio call of the year. <laughs> that was a call to make your eyes water and to make you cry. Let me tell you, you felt oh, his pain as he did that. <laughs> Probably pushing it a little too much. There was conversations as to what caused it, but I mean, who knows unless you're in the team. But yeah, I think just sort of overdrove the tires a little bit there. But I do want to highlight my highlight from that race is George passing Perez after the safety car at just the right point, hitting the right marker, and really doing a fabulous catching out the car in front, which was good. Showed his race crap. Yeah, yeah, it was solid. That was solid. I don't know. I, I don't know if it was good, if it was boring, or what the hell it was. Like, I went over our texts, and I couldn't figure it out. Can I make a suggestion here? I was away being a golfist while this Grand Prix was actually live. So I didn't watch it live, and I've been trying for the last probably three weeks to watch it at night. And every time I get to about the time where the safety car comes out for Leclerc, and then I fall asleep, and I cannot get into it. Nothing much happened after that. Don't worry. Yeah. So I've seen the race in thirty, and that's it. I just it has not been interesting enough to kind of keep my attention. I'm going to agree with you. I watched chunks while we were on vacation in Saint Pierre Miquelon in France, and 
my memories of that are I saw a lot of Dacia Sanderos and Dacia Dusters and Peugeots. I can't tell you what happened in the race. Stacks, where exactly were you in France? St. Pierre and Miquelon. I wasn't sure if you'd mentioned it before in this episode anywhere. He's very excited about the fact that he went to the middle of the St. Lawrence Seaway on the westernmost part of France. Not the St. Lawrence Seaway. It's the Atlantic Ocean. It's beautiful. I highly recommend it. It was absolutely lovely. We're talking kilometers there, Gareth. Clearly, this is not where the race was, but you were still able to claim that you were in France during the French Grand Prix. May we? He he was in a French overseas territory, if we're being picky, but yeah. And I even dropped a Pierre Gasly line on a cabbie who was driving his heart out in his Nissan Sentra. Yeah, Gasly. Very appreciative. I didn't want to be like Esteban Ocon, because I feel like nobody really likes Esteban Ocon. Like, he's a nice enough guy, but he's nobody's favorite. I feel like nobody knows Esteban Ocon is the problem. It's not that nobody likes him. It's just like, ooh. Yeah, it was okay. How'd you guys do on your boxes? Anybody win anything? Uh, Don't think so. (laughs) Nope. All the guesses were so wrong about absolutely everything. People we said would do well ended up blowed up or out or crashed. The people we said would do crap ended up on the podium. So uh, nothing happened. Nothing happened at all. Like I was expecting all kinds of chaos in this race, and it was just not so much. Yeah, that was France, everybody. That was France. Awesome. Let's move to Hungary, where, Phil, give us the race recap. Like Spencer, I kind of forgot what this race is all about. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I have watched this race twice, and I've watched the race in 30 twice, and I still couldn't tell you some of the major highlights of this race. Other than Ferrari, the only thing I can say is Ferrari royally fucked the pooch, and somebody should be fired from the strategy department. Ah, uh, the strategy. <laughs> Strategery. Now, if I remember right, this is where George found himself on pole, oh, did he not? Yes, he did. Yeah, well, This was big. I think at one point I could hear Gareth screaming from Toronto. <laughs> like, and none of us predicted that George was going to be on pole, just for the record. Although one of us did predict that Latifi was going to get in the top five, given his slightly purple qualifying performance that didn't go all the way. That also didn't happen, though. <laughs> so in other words, our predictions are about as normal as they always are. Nikki never disappoints. Actually, I seem to remember, and again, I haven't watched it in a couple of weeks, but I seem to remember it actually being an, an enjoyable Hungarian race. It was one of the strategy races because it was all about the tires because the tires were kind of going a bit faster than everybody thought. and yep. Or not going at all if you put hot tires on. Yeah, and not going at all to put hard tires on and you were Ferrari and you didn't look and see that everybody else was not going anywhere with hard tires. <laughs> because this was the highlight of the race. And why yeah. the hell did they stop so bloody early? But it was one of those, let, let's call it like a classic F1 tire strategy chase the hair race, mm-hmm. which, I mean, if we're nerds for the sport, we do love those things. There were a few fun moments, not that I can tell you what they are now, but I remember at the time feeling excited as cars were trying to pass and things like that. There was some good close racing. early Max moment where, like, he could not shut up about his clutch. Yeah, so there was the whiny Max. There was really good racing between Alonso and Ocon. Ocon got his elbows out, right? And Fernando was not happy about it. That was kind of fun. But then it was just like, I feel now when I'm watching a race, I'm just waiting on the edge of my seat for the pit wall of Ferrari to just absolutely bone Charles Leclerc. Like, that is what I'm waiting for now, and <laughs> they absolutely delivered in this one. I mean, although, although they did signs dirty, too, so it's just like everyone just got absolutely worked. I was going to say, sometimes the bone signs as well. 
Yeah. I think Ferrari just is crap at strategy or strategy or strategy or whatever the hell you want to call the thing that <laughs> teams are supposed to actually be good at and it's actually supposed to be fun and interesting for some nerdy spectators like myself. But I am in awe of how they totally fucked that one up. They did. And you know what? You're right. They do bone signs sometimes. But I think the biggest difference this year and why we don't think that Signs has gotten it as bad as Leclerc is that he has been on the blower back to the team saying sometimes no, like not doing that. That makes no sense, right? Monaco, great example of that, right? Silverstone, another great example of that where he's just like, no, I don't want to come in for intermediates now. Like, let's go straight to... This is Carlos Sainz calls his own strategy and he changes his own tires if he could. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? Sounds like a man after Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, he's been a victim of the pit wall too, but just not to the same extent as, as Charles because he just he, he has been a little more proactive in terms of, I guess, making sure that he doesn't get done dirty. Yeah, my favorite part was the Ferrari reactions after, right? Nothing is changing. Everything is fine. Nothing is changing. <laughs> but none of it needs to change. He's got to change his job if he's not careful because that is ridiculous. You know, yeah. uh, I mean, I'm all for supporting your coworkers, your team, you know, making it count. But when it's consistently messing up. Uh, it wasn't even gonna, messing up. It was that right fucked up. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, like... I was trying to be polite today. I don't know why. It made no fucking sense. Honestly, he should. Somebody needs to change roles at least. Whether they lose their heads, I don't care, but change roles. Yeah, I feel like at this point, Mattia Bonato is like that meme with the dog sitting at the bar and everything is on fire around mm-hmm. him and he says, this is fine. Like, I this feel like fine. that's yeah. Mattia Bonato at this point. Yeah. I, I think so. I feel like you'd be correct. It's like Ferrari has their own bad strategy memes that just exist on the internet. I don't think anybody else does. Yeah. I feel like the Ferrari strategy is like, let's see if we can't lose second place to Mercedes this year. Look, just well, shit some giggles. But in fairness, like part of that is like, it's the same phenomenon we saw last year with Hamilton, right? We always would complain about Hamilton being like whiny Lewis, right? But the reality is we just heard more of his radio than we heard from anyone else. Same thing's happening with Ferrari this year. The only reason why their strategy the team is probably always looking so bad is because they are always in contention and what they do matters. Right, It has the ability to impact the outcome of the race. If Aston Martin goes and brings Vettel in for an unnecessary pit stop, puts him on hards, and he goes from 11th to 14th, like nobody gives a shit. Right? I think that's part of the issue. Holy shit, Spence, you got to say something stupid because you actually sound like a sound sport journalist right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 100 proof Tennessee whiskey's drinking, it's working. I was going to say, go, Nikki. <laughs> Are you guys still bagging on lat? What's going on over there? We only have nine more races to do this. This is true. This is true. I'm going to have to get a new license. miracle, they keep him. Look, they might. It could happen. No. Well, <laughs> we, we will talk about that in the silly season. There's no way they keep that guy. Well, at the end of this all, Red Bull has 97 points in the constructors over everybody else. They're stopping with an 80-point lead. Basically meaning that he could go and sleep for the next two races and still win this thing, which makes it a little bit boring. I can still bounce back. The others can still bounce back from this. I mean, it, we're... It's not mathematically impossible. It's no, not. we're nine races to go, 25 points for a win at each of those races. Assuming Ferrari doesn't fuck up anymore, which, actually, well, to be honest, Ferrari's going to fuck up and Mercedes is going to win the championship. You heard it here, folks. Honestly, Phil, uh, like know. Ferrari would have to be perfect. Leclerc would have to oh, yes. win. 
I know. four or five of the next nine races. So almost half, if not more than half. It's not going to happen. And Max Verstappen would have to get very unlucky with things like reliability and some other stuff. We've seen a little bit of it this year, but not to the extent that we've seen reliability problems from Ferrari. I mean, we've so. got Max has going to have to go through an engine replacement at least once. We know that's coming. Everybody will. Yeah. So I mean, we've got some strange things to happen there. Yeah, I agree. It would have to be perfect, and it's not going to be perfect. Ferrari hasn't been perfect since the Schumacher era. It would be like, I, I watched a video about this. Somebody put out Sebastian Vettel winning nine races in a row in, I think it was 2013. Mm-hmm. Like you'd have to have that level of perfection and dominance to basically pull this championship back for Ferrari. And they don't have it, unfortunately. No, they don't. And sadly, we're also at the point where, do you remember earlier this year, we were talking about, oh, maybe Sainz is in contention, maybe Checo, he's drunk all the tequila, so he's just here to kick ass and win a championship. <laughs> and we were all in on Team Checo, weren't we, Spence? We were. I think I think what he said was, I'm just here to drink tequila and fight for championships, and I'm all out of tequila. Yes, <laughs> I think that's what the meme was, and it was pretty great. But anyway, I mean, he didn't have the staying power, unfortunately. I feel like that should be. I'm here to drink tequila and fight for championships, and I'm all out of engines. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And sadly, Checo is, what, almost 100 points behind Max now. Yeah, I mean, it's over. I mean, we need to find other things to entertain ourselves through the rest of the season, right? I mean, 2021 was perhaps the greatest championship that any of us will ever see. So comparing it to last year, I mean, it had to be worse. It's just... It's unfortunate that it feels like it's over at the summer break. Anyway, I will, I will be interested. I want to see Mercedes back on top of the podium in the second half. I want to see George Russell get his first win. Absolutely. I would like to see Checo and Carlos maybe snag another win. Really like kind of validate their seasons. I mean, there's just still lots uh, to play for. And everything kind of lower down in the championship as well. There's so much to play for and so much to kind of sort out from effectively fourth on down like we've just got such a tight championship between the teams you've got that alpine uh, mclaren battle for fourth right now there's four points between them sir you skated over a big one. Oh, you mean the ferrari mercedes battle yeah. second place is not nailed down yet and so far as i oh, know no. they're, nah, that's they're, 30 they're points apart man yeah. that's going to be a battle it's going to be tight that's going to be down to the end yeah, Honestly. and Mercedes has proven that now that they've got a handle on their car and they've kind of stopped playing experimental games, they are there to take any point, in, like any podium that's up for grabs if Verstappen or Claire aren't on that podium and they might even effectively beat Sainz or Perez on merit. Yeah, I mean, I think for sure, if we're talking predictions for the Constructors' Championship by the end of the year, I think Mercedes is second. There's no doubt in my mind. Does that mean that Bonanno gets hung, drawn, and quartered in the town square? Hey, it hurts me to say it too, but Ferrari has not demonstrated, has actually gone back to demonstrating how fucked up they are a few years ago and not being able to make effective calls. There's no comeback from this if he's not going to make a change and he's going to stick to the same formula. Yeah, Mercedes is going to pull ahead. Ferrari's going to fall behind. And you get to December in Italy, and I would not want to be Bonanno. Got to be honest. At this point, I think I feel more comfortable with Gareth and Phil sitting in the pit wall making the strategy calls than I do with the guys who are currently there doing it. Like it seems like they have, like a, maybe a tangential handle on Grand Prix strategy at best. Maybe their equipment and that software is garbage, but I mean, it seems like they're they're pretty out there. I don't know. I mean, I heard a rumor that actually the strategists are actually back at Marinello. 
And it's basically data analysis that they're following. It's not necessarily feet on the ground. Wait a minute. Are you saying that the F1 TV time delay is what's causing strategy problems at Ferrari? <laughs> Maybe. Who the hell knows? Um, but no, I, and I don't know if that's true. Honestly, I don't know. But that's what I heard. I, I heard that rumor through the mill. And I was like, Giuseppe, how do we get the international feed? <laughs> <laughs> when it goes down and we're all fighting with F1 TV, that's yeah. when uh, Ferrari's making bad calls, I guess. <laughs> or when they're showing fans dancing in the stands instead of what's going on on the track instead of the track exactly <laughs> <laughs> the guys in ferrari are just sitting in the garage watching the old disney pixar cars movie every time it says bid stop it actually goes over the radio they're like no 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 fuck, oh, fuck whatever <laughs> oh we'll just go with it guys it'll go with it it'll be fine <laughs> we'll go with it it'll be fine <laughs> this was just Stellantis trying to cut costs in their f1 operations <laughs> Oh, geez. We just don't have a travel budget for the strategy team. They'll be fine remotely. They love computers. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be fun to watch that. I mean, but I think Red Bull's got this. You know, if they lose it, they're going to have an implosion on their own strategy side of things. Oh, Spice Boy will get beat up by Helmut Marco. <sighs> Wouldn't want to be on their shoes. I think the midfield's going to be interesting to watch Alpine and McLaren duke it out. We'll talk more about the current mclaren mess but i would say alpine's probably going to pull that one ahead but given the current silly season mess i've got a feeling that there's even in addition to tens of millions of dollars in pride on the line they're really just fighting each other because they hate each other right now yeah pretty much oh, there's never been a lot of love between endstone and where is mclaren based woking there we go woking see i'm kind of liking that 789 battle right haas afatari and aston just kind of duking it out for like just a few extra bucks <laughs> well this goes back to haas has made like the minimally viable product to get to seventh place and if k-mag can basically keep his junk in his pants and not throw it away on the first lap like he's done they might even be able to creep up to sixth on alfa romeo simply because alfa seems to have had the worst possible reliability and run of luck for both Bottas and joe so from our technical analyst that is a very technical term for magnuson right yeah, keeping his dick in his pants. I don't know why this keeps getting the explicit rating. <laughs> no idea, man. <laughs> All right, Spence, I got to ask, does William get up to 10 points? Williams? You know what? Uh, I don't think so. I think they will have some <laughs> <laughs> more points scoring this year. I don't think they're going to get to 10 points. You're not calling the Latifi podium somewhere? I'm not calling a Latifi podium. I think that you'll see Albon will score a couple of more times. Maybe Nikki sneaks in for a, a 10th place in some crazy race in the back half of this year, but I'm not going to hold my breath for that either. I think they're going to finish comfortably 10th. Comfortably last. That's an accomplishment. <laughs> they're, they're probably already focusing their development on the 2023 car. I feel like somebody needs to design a Williams participant ribbon. It just ends up being mostly carbon fiber. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a can't, like, it's just a piece of duct tape with a little piece of carbon fiber on it <laughs> it's the shards they picked up from one of the tracks but at least they scored points unlike last year where Haas came in 10th and scored nothing <laughs> well and yeah. so look how much better Haas has done this year than last year the whole let's focus on next year's car and what are they they're seven points ahead of Alpha Tauri and Alpha Tauri's kind of had a shocker of a season quite frankly that who knows maybe they can turn that around or maybe they do the Williams thing and say, oh, fuck it, we're in the basement. We're just going to start focusing on next year. Yeah, they'll take the extra wind tunnel time. Mm. Yeah. Got the loss. Yeah, I like it. Well, let's ask the question, fellas. Highlights of the season so far. We're a little past halfway. 
We're about to get to Spa. Phil, you got to break out that skirt again. Just dance half of what you did Not for Spa. Spa can't handle your hips. Not for Spa. We need to keep Spa. Spa has to be dry. I am going to try. Well, I'm going to be driving anyway, so there's not going to be a skirt, guys. I'm in the car. I'm just saying. You just, like, turn on F1 TV on the phone and just listen to commentary for four hours while you drive. (laughs) That will please my co-pilots to no end. (laughs) If they're going to want to do that anyways, you might as well get some F1 out of it. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Sorry, folks. <laughs> so, highlights of the season. Tell us, give them to me. Close racing. Our new formula has given us delightfully close racing where people pass each other and then they pass each other again and they defend. And not only have we had close racing, we've also had at the front, unlike last year, close racing where nobody runs into each other. Lewis yeah. and Max versus Max and Charlotte. I, I rewatched the Saudi highlights with dinner tonight. And it was like, oh, yeah, look at this great, you know, strategy racing gamesmanship that they're doing as they're driving. Absolutely fantastic. We have the formula works to a certain extent, you know, porpoise and flexi floors aside. And we have a better show that the TV directors just actually have to fucking show on TV now. They have to figure that out. I mean, good God. Yeah. Get the FIA on that. No, um, Flexi TV. That's right. They changed the formula and changed the rules, but didn't change the TV directors. So those guys are just like, nobody's going to pass each other. I don't need to look at this. I don't <laughs> need to put a camera here because no one's ever going to pass there. And that's where all the passes happen. That's it's fantastic. Are. These are the same guys who filmed David Attenborough in the off season. They just like set stationary cameras for giraffes. Are they also in <laughs> London while that's being recorded in Quebec? Probably. <laughs> so I would say like doing what Gareth said, like the race in Saudi Arabia, both Saudi Arabia and Bahrain, this is a particular highlight for me, like the, the strategic use of DRS detection points by both Charles and Max was awesome. Like, when have you ever seen cars coming down a straight and then just like puffs of white smoke as they're locking their brakes, trying to have the other guy go through the detection point before them? You know, probably not what we want in terms of how DRS is used from policy perspective, but you know, made for pretty exciting, interesting racing at the time, in particular in Saudi Arabia. Like, Jeddah this year was pretty fun. Oh, that was pure go-kart racing. It was awesome. No, it's finding every single advantage you can find on the track within the bounds of the rules. And you love it. That's what the sport's about. I think my highlight is that every team has points and that almost every driver has points. I say almost because, you know, Nikki, our favorite friend, has zero. But everybody else, 19 drivers, have points. So, uh, you know, technically Nico Hulkenberg doesn't have points, but he was only there for two races at the start uh, of the season. So we're giving him a free pass. That's why I'm giving the pass. Exactly. I mean, I think the highlights are that the formula is working, that we've got nice close racing for the most part. I like the different strategies that they have to work on. I think that's neat with the DRS zones and everything like that. There's some hiccups that we've got to go through, but all in all, I mean, it has been a good season been fun you must be tired this is the most conservative highlight of the season that i've heard spence man get us jacked to the tits all right yeah you want to get jacked to the tits let's go to silverstone fucking right all right we're gonna to go to silverstone <laughs> that race was an absolute banger it started off with joe just absolutely careening on his lid for the better part of 150 yards before doing just a series of flips into the barrier i mean that was absolutely wild there were protesters who entered the track during the race. Like, thank God there was a red flag or else that could have been a really bad situation. Kevin but Harvey, yeah. 
they restart sure. the race. We move past all of that. We get to another safety car near the end of the race. <laughs> Charles Leclerc is leading the race. Ferrari being Ferrari leaves him out there to fend for himself on 35 lap old hard tires. Absolutely. Another terrible call. They bring signs in. Signs right behind him on brand new softs. Charles is sitting duck. Signs everyone behind him all on new tires. And poor old Charles is just out there defending crack position for who knows what reason. The Ferrari message to signs to give Charles some space. And then the reply back from signs telling them to stop inventing, stop inventing. Actually, it was one of my favorite moments of the year. And I saw a guy, someone posted a picture from, I believe it was Austria, which was maybe I think the next week. And he had a hat with an F1 wing on it. And when the DRS was closed, it said on the underside of the wing, stop inventing. <laughs> so I feel <laughs> I like it. people really fucking grabbed onto that and had some fun with it. That was, that was a particularly fun morning. Yeah, that was, Silverstone was great. That was a really enjoyable race. I yeah. had a lot of fun. And then like the Lewis, Checo, Charles, like wheel to wheel battle that happened after that was, it was first class. It was some of the best wheel to wheel racing I think I've seen since I picked up this sport again. And it was just a great day. Yeah, I like sure. it. I would say like my pre-summer break highlight of the season had to be Azerbaijan when Yuki Sudeva comes in with a broken DRS and they just duct tape the fucker. <laughs> just literally like pull out a piece of gaff tape like, all right, go. So it's like, what? What? Like, I swear, like, I don't think I've ever heard Martin Brundle speechless before. <laughs> hey, that meatball flag means more duct tape, Randy. That's, <laughs> that's what that's for. Speaking of DRS and radio highlights, Max Verstappen, his DRS won't open properly. That was absolutely hilarious. Oh, that was good. I like that one too. (laughs) Pressing it like 50 fucking times. (laughs) That said, the disappointment is the radio's shit. Yeah. Low light. Crappy driver and team radio. Crappy driver, team radio. Crappy directors at times. But I think we still got a DRS problem because I think we get these lovely DRS trains that just go nowhere. (laughs) Yeah, well. Real low light for me has been Danny Rick. I mean, he's had a, just a rough year. Nothing, nothing has gone well for that guy. Like he, he's just been. I think he must be the biggest disappointment when you compare him to his salary up and down the whole paddock. <laughs> I don't think you're going to hear any arguments there. Yeah. Then there's Leclerc in Spain. Hey, wait! There's nobody in the grid. What the hell do I do? <laughs> just go to the grid. Go to the grid. Just go to the grid. Just stop it at the start finish line. Like, yeah, okay. Speaking of Leclerc and lowlights, I think a racing lowlight has been the Ferrari strategy fuck-ups and dumpster fires and train wrecks we've already talked about, because that has denied us a close championship. And we all want to see or would love to see a close championship. So that's a lowlight. But you know, there's a couple other lowlights out there, which is fan behavior. That's a real lowlight, yeah. Fan behavior has been my entire lowlight of this entire season. Man. I've yelled about this. I've complained about this. I am tired. It's because Phil took off his shirt at the Canadian Grand Prix. Well, that was actually a highlight for me. (laughs) Yeah, like he had the F painted on him and then none of us came out with ours. Nobody had the one. I mean, that was a problem. (laughs) I had F, but no one. What the hell? And it was raining and it just ran down onto his cargo jeans. It ran down. It was awful. I I was like, I was there for that. (laughs) I was okay with that. (laughs) The lies you guys tell, I tell you. 
<laughs> no, fan behavior and some of the other off-track bullshit. I did see one video, though, where a bunch of Red Bull fans saw a bunch of Merc fans in a bar, and so they sent them around Red Bulls. <laughs> it's like, okay, see, that's how you fucking troll. <laughs> that's perfect. That was pretty smart, because what else are you going to do to respond to that? Send a Merc? I mean, that would be brilliant. Nobody'd say no. Yeah. Well, have you looked at a CLA or a GLA? Please. Front wheel drive <laughs> garbage. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't turn one down if somebody was giving one to me. Actually, you know, a big low light for me has been team principal behavior as well. There hasn't been any. What are you talking about? Uh, some of the shit that's being said back and forth. I'm like, guys, just talk about racing, talk about strategy, but like, just stop fucking complaining and kind of hinting. Because, like, the fan behavior is one thing, but I think some of it is driven by, like, team principles just saying shit that sparks up a whole thing. I think one of the big lowlights for me is because of that, like, F1 Twitter was really fun for a couple of years. Like, it was really enjoyable to kind of just read what people wrote. And now it's just trying to sift through divisive crap. It's like reading American politics. So this is all Toto and Christian's fault? Toto, Christian, but even, like, it's not Otmar. He's not around anymore, is he? Yeah, I guess he is. Yeah, he runs um, Alpine. Kind of runs Alpine. Well, kind of runs Alpine, let's say. <laughs> no, I mean, I get what you're saying, Randy. But I think also there's some degree where some of the team principals need to remember what year they're in and remember what their teams are actually doing. I mean, <laughs> apart from the obvious stuff which we're in for, I really can't stand hearing Toto go on about thinking about Abu Dhabi still. I mean... We're six months on now. We're nine months on. You know, when he goes on about that, he sounds like Donald Trump saying the 2020 election was stolen from me. Yeah, it's a time to move on now. It's time to move past this, and he keeps bringing it up. It really just drives me nuts. Yeah, I don't want to get into that back and forth. Oh come on, Randy! I set it up. <laughs> I know you did. I agree with you. Like Toto, just shut up about it. It's happened. It's past us. Unless you're like whatever back deals you made, like they're made. So fuck off. Like, it's not like you're actually advocating to change anything in the F1 rules or in the way that things are stewarded or. Oh, they are now. Anything else. Flexi floors. What else? Porpoising. All those lovely things. All driven from his side. Eh, I don't know about all that. I, I figure some others are playing into this, but just tell us the loudest voice. So and prominent. But yeah, I don't know. Team principal behavior hasn't been a highlight for me this year. Outside of Gunter. Gunter always pleases. Jost Capito has been on his best behavior. There's a t-shirt. Gunter always pleases. <laughs> we'll have that made for the next round of preview go to. Alongside Nanjad, nobody's good at golf. Just go to your podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, we have any other lowlights we want to cover? I don't know. I, I feel like there's a couple boring races to come. You know, what we got on the schedule here? Spa is going to be spa. Spa's going to spa. Netherlands is going to be boring. Monza feels like it's going to be fun. Monza's usually the last boring. couple of years. Yeah. It's always been interesting. Yeah. Oh, and we're going back to Japan this year, finally. Oh, we're so going back to Japan. That's going to be great. That's something finally, to look forward to. Finally going back to Japan in that beautiful circuit. Singapore. Ooh, that's so a, nice. Japan is a Saturday night race for me. That just makes you happy. That makes you happy. <laughs> No, uh, whoever said Sprint was Brazil, Randy, you were right. And I will never Ooh, say that again a second time. 
Fucking, I'm glad we recorded that shit. There we go. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going to edit that out. I'm going to edit that out. Hold on a second. We're going to make that the Flip It F1 theme song right there. <laughs> Randy, it was actually me who said, I thought they had changed that up for this year. Yeah, yeah I thought they I had know, too, but I guess it is still in for Brazil. Which is fun, right? I mean, the second to last race of the season, that would be solid. I mean, we should have a fantastically fun run. Like, the Netherlands is going to be boring because nobody can pass, and everything will be orange yeah. anyway. But yeah. then we get Monza back to Singapore, back to Japan, USGP. The track is beautiful. Mexico is always a yep. pretty great time. And then we That's go to Brazil for a sprint, which, you know, maybe Abu Dhabi is going to be boring because Max will have won 18 races before that. Six. Six. But again, like I think Abu Dhabi again sets us up for Charles George, right? Like they're so who's going to hit the wall this time and be parked there? Who's being paid for that this round? Oh, it's still in the Tifi's contract, please. Still in the Tifi's like, contract. I was say, it's like that's a go Tifi moment right <laughs> there for sure. Like, it's, uh... it's how he finishes his F one career. Oh, that would just be brutal. <laughs> He's parking it in the wall at Abu Dhabi for the second consecutive year. Oh, I hope not. I hope not. That's good. And the wing just says consistency. <laughs> um, he's actually going to hit the Nutella signage. Yeah, consistent fee. No, no. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, speaking of our good friend Nikki Latifi, shall we talk about the silly season? Who's driving what where next year? Let's talk. <laughs> Let's go. It all started with a bang. Woo! Seb as <laughs> Seb retired. I mean, that was. I mean, it wasn't really unexpected. We all knew it was coming. There was no surprise there. Yeah, we knew it was coming, but it kicked off in a certain way, though. It was like... Yeah, we didn't know it was going to be this year. We knew Seb had, like, a year, maybe, in addition. Nah. And all the noise we were hearing from him, even, was that he was talking to the team about continuing. They wanted them to continue. You know, he was chatting with them about it. Like, I thought there may be, like, another two-year extension for him. But, like, we all knew, look, he was he was getting close to the end of it. We saw how uncompetitive that car was out of the gate earlier this year. It certainly didn't make it look like it was going to be something he wanted to stick around in too long term. But still, I, I wouldn't have put any money on him retiring this year. Put it that way. Yeah, I wouldn't have either. Although that said, I mean, I mean, we should do, at least close to the end of the year, a good big segment on Seb. I think he's been one of those both evolutionary and revolutionary drivers to watch over time. It's been really fun. I didn't like him for a little while, but I have really grown to love Seb. Nobody liked him during the dominant years. You fell into the everyone hates Red Bull fan base in 2012, 13, when he was off winning everything that you could imagine. Well, but I think for me, there was that moment again, right? And I always come back to this race where he lost to Jensen, like, and Jensen just deked him out. And it was kind of one of those moments of like, holy shit, Seb's human. That was kind of the moment. I was like, oh, yeah, I got to take another look at this guy because he's all right. So yeah, maybe didn't see that coming. Interesting retirement video. I think he's going to go do some very interesting good things. Seb's going into German politics. That's what's going to happen. That video set it up. I don't know. I'm not sure I agree with that, but okay. I think so. I think he's going into like environmental lobbyism or he's going into German politics. He's going to make the change. They have a big green party, a big coalition. I welcome Chancellor Vettel, who's going to break them of the Russian gas habit. I don't see him going into politics, but anyway. I'm still saying Seb for race director, but, you know, it's a thing. Yeah, I mean, I'd see that too, Randy. I would. I'd love it. And, I mean, with Seb retiring, that set off a whole series of things. And I really want to announce it here as breaking news. You've heard it here first on at Flippin' F1 that 
I also will not be driving for Aston Martin next year. They did not release something, but I can confirm that I will not be driving for Aston Martin in the coming year. I know that will disappoint many of you. We're so, so sad. I can see the tears. I'm just but... crying here for you. I feel your pain. <laughs> that would have been a much better bit if you'd said Alpine instead of Aston Martin. Yes, I know. Exactly. I'm just thinking the same thing. Can you just say Alpine and then we'll cut it in? <laughs> I can confirm that I will not be driving for Alpine next year. They have not made an announcement, but I will not be driving for Alpine next year. I know that will disappoint many of my French fans, but Cronenberg, uh, s'il vous plaît. Did I get that right? <laughs> well, and the main reason Randy's not driving for Alpine next year is because the French telecom operator has done away with physical phone books, so he can't see over the steering wheel in the car. <laughs> can't reach the pedals either. Well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> but we do have the silliest of silly seasons. Right? So again, if you're a fan and you don't know what the hell we're joking about here, Oscar Piastri, right after Seb... Now you got to go back one step further. After Seb announced his retirement... The Hungarian Grand Prix weekend goes by, and all of a sudden, on the Monday, Alonso announces that he is going to go and take Randy's spot and race at Aston Martin. Yeah. Um, and it came as quite a shock, I think, to the Alpine team, who were not expecting that. But they immediately, without hesitation, decided it was time to announce Oscar Piastri would be driving for them. Only one problem. They're calling him up because he is their official reserve driver this year. Is he not fair? That is absolutely true, but there's only one problem. They forgot to tell him that that's what they were going to do. A lot of that shit going around. Well, it seems to be when it gets into the next stage, when Oscar Piastri announces that he is not going to be driving for Alpine <laughs> and has instead signed a contract with Zach Brown and the McLaren F1 team. Has Oscar Piastri actually come out and said he has a contract with no. McLaren? No, actually, no, yeah, sorry. No, that's, no. That's, just, that's speculative, just I guess. unequivocally said that he is not driving for Alpine next year. Which, yeah, he did. He launched a tweet that basically said, I didn't agree to this press release and I am not driving for these guys in 2023, which like he's been supported by Alpine throughout his like last three or four years of junior career. It's a pretty bold statement to bite the hand that feeds. And then McLaren's the team that actually came out and announced because they did. They issued a press release saying that Piastri was going to drive for them, didn't they? I don't believe so. That doesn't sound right either. How did we get to Piastri and McLaren? No, no, the Claire, somebody there tell me. became rumors that he was negotiating with Zach Brown and that they were doing Danny dirty, right? Because they hadn't talked to Danny about it either. And then the FIA releases a press release saying that we have approved the contract negotiations between Piastri and McLaren. So it, well, not the contract negotiations per se, but... There's something called the Contract Recognitions Board that is an arm of the FIA. It's a bunch of lawyers sitting around being nerds who effectively rule on whether or not contracts are valid. And I believe the CRB has actually said, oh, yeah, these contracts are valid. A little inside baseball then. Yeah. It stokes up the rumor. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Where the hell is Danny going? Back to Alpine. And Danny apparently has a valid... 2023 contract to race for McLaren, which he has said, and I think Zach Brown has confirmed, the option to terminate that contract rests solely with Danny. They're just trying to constructively dismiss him by being really mean to him, making McLaren a shitty place to work for him. Sure. 
I mean, if Zach Brown wants to pay me $22 million not to race for him, I'm happy to take that money too. Or, so. or whatever the number might be that they might pay him to sit on the sidelines, if he'll right. take the money. And you know, this is all purely speculative because none of us have read his contract. But maybe he can't even be bought out. But okay, so let me like let me posit this over because I think if I'm Ricardo, I'm thinking, okay, great, let me take the twenty two million, invest half of it in Bitcoin, like an indie team or a NASCAR team, and drive over there anyways because he's loved in the states, and he's going to grow that brand. Whatever he drives for after F one, he's going to grow that American brand one way or another. So why not make some money off it in the first place and then set some of the rest of the money in the bank wherever he's at or sinking into wine or whatever the hell he's doing and just run with it. Like, why not take that? It's an interesting idea, but how much do you think an IndyCar team costs? Because I'm pretty sure it's more than 10 million. Mm, Apparently you can put an IndyCar program together, like a limited program together for about a million bucks. Really? To spec series. Find me a sponsor, guys. Let's go. Let's go racing. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm serious. Go and look at like the entry list for like the Indy 500, which always has the most entries, and you're going to see like a bunch of teams where it's like Andretti racing with Curb Agajanian, where they've got okay, somebody is paying Andretti to run this car, but they're also somebody who are bringing some people, and maybe they've got a chassis and an engine already, and all that sort of stuff. So it's markedly, markedly cheaper, markedly cheaper in that form. Yeah. Well, and then same thing with NASCAR, right? I mean, like to enter a NASCAR brand, yeah, is expensive. But like to get the initial car done and get onto the circuit, you know, like I think he could take half that many and get that done. Well, he could go like Kimmy is racing NASCAR this weekend for somebody called Trackhouse Racing, who actually have a car that they've set up. I think they call it Project 91, where it's like, hey, we're trying to track drivers from all sorts of different series across the world to come and race NASCAR. So Watkins Glen this coming weekend. Kimmy's going to be racing NASCAR. I might actually watch some NASCAR highlights. Who knows? Yeah, I think so. Or even just like there's a truck series that, again, I think Danny would do well at and probably build a big profile for. It'd be a lot of fun there. I mean, he could do the whole like, all right, I'm going to go try the other big races in the world, right? Indy 500, Le Mans, yada, yada, yada. I mean, I don't know that I want to put Danny in a Le Mans car, but still. I don't think he's done with Formula One. I mean, he's had, aside from that one win last year, Kind of a shit year, quite frankly. He's having a shit yeah, year this year. I would think that he would want to... He's like, okay, McLaren, screw yourselves. You're being mean to me. I'm taking money. I'm leaving, whatever. He's going back to Alpine because he's Alpine's best choice, quite frankly, as an experienced driver. If Alpine decides he wants to go down that path. Well, hear me out though, right? Because this is like stupid blue sky thinking, but I like thinking about this stuff. <laughs> Danny in a Haas, right? Where like, again, it's an American brand... They punt Magnuson because Mag was there They're anyways, not going to punt Magnuson. They, They're no, going to punt Schumacher. No. And Schumacher's going to go to Endstone race for Alpine. So you, got, you guys are subscribing to the Marcus Erickson, Indy 500 champion, the Marcus Erickson silly season tweet. He put out this great tweet on <laughs> August 1st, like the day all this shit went down, where he predicted a bunch of stuff, including that Alpine would be an Alcon Gasly lineup, Alpha Tower would be a Schumacher Sonoda, McLaren would be Norris Piastri, Haas would be Magnus and Ricardo, and Williams would be Albin and Nick DeVries. And, you know, if that turns out, it'll just be magic. Well, then that's kudos to him for predicting it, if that that turns out, I'll have to say. You guys need to give me some of whatever you're smoking. There's absolutely no way any of that shit's happening. (laughs) Look, Piastri's going to drive for McLaren. Danny's going to take his gigantic sack of money, walk down the street, make even more money, and drive for Alpine, because he is 
the only kind of guy with significant big team F1 experience that's available to drive. And you're going to have someone yeah. like DeVries is going to step in and have Williams. And that's it. I don't think Schumacher's going anywhere. There's absolutely no way Haas is going to open up. You know, Haas is going to open up the piggy bank to pay for anyone, let alone pay for Kevin Magnuson to sit on the side. Like he's already contracted for next year too. Like there's absolutely no way. I, no, it's fine. I, I just can't see Haas paying the money, like you said, for a Danny Rick or Danny Rick wanted to go no. there. Like Danny, well, Danny Rick, Rick wanted to go to the want, best. Wouldn't want, want to go there. Yeah, Danny Rick wants to go to the best possible team, which with the seat, which is Alpine. Probably on a better trajectory than McLaren. Certainly this year. Potentially, yeah. It seems like I mean, it, yeah. Well, except you've got this whole quandary where it seems nobody wants to drive for Alpine. Like, they had two drivers emphatically walk away from their team this year. And Danny Rick did that, what, two years ago? Like, just emphatically said, I don't think you're making the progress. I don't know. I kind of like that combination of, like, Otmar and Danny Rick kind of building that brand out a little bit more and continuing to grow that. I think it'd be great. I think hopefully you'd be happier there. And all the senior leadership who were there under the Renault time, like, including Cyril Beep, who's kind of a moron, quite frankly. They're all gone. Sure. All those people who really threw a lot of shade at Danny when he left. Who's the engine supplier for Alpine? Renault. They're a works team. It's still Renault. It's still a works team. Okay. Yeah. He knows that Renault engine. He knows how to make it work. Yeah. TBD. But I honestly think the only mystery is who's going to take the second Williams seat. Like Schumacher's going to get confirmed to Haas, blah, blah, blah. And we just have to pause and say, Technically, Lance Stroll doesn't have a contract for next year, but he's going to drive for Aston Martin until, like... Until Aston Martin stops being owned by his... Oh, how spicy does that get if Daddy just says, you know what, I spent enough on you, kid. Figure your own shit out. Not going to do that. That's not, not going to happen. happen. You know who I'd love to see in that second Williams seat is Jamie Chadwick. I know there's all kinds of chat about how she's only done this and only done that, but I think it'd be great to see her there. I think it'd be great for the Williams brand. Is she technically part of the Williams Academy? She is. She is part of the Williams Academy. Yeah, I think that sounds right. That would be absolutely wonderful. Give a multiple W Series champion a shot in F1. It's been, you know, mooted. Maybe Nick DeVries will come over. He was last year's Formula E champion. They've also got Logan Sargent, who's a F2 driver. I mean, I get, I get the Logan Sargent argument, right? Like, hey, look, having an American driver before they do three races in the States would be great for... The counter argument to that is Williams is last and Williams sucks and Americans like winners. So there'll be a small balance and then nobody in America will care. Well, yeah, but then you get the Logan Sargent stands kind of like the Lance Stroll stands. And that's just a whole bunch of comedy to be had. So there's that. No, I'd love to see Jamie Chadwick take that spot. That would be awesome. I'm going to throw you a couple of outside options as well. You have Callum Eilat and Christian Lungard, who are both racing IndyCar this year and doing like decently well. We're F2 drivers who did quite well. And you've got Marcus Erickson, again, former F1 driver racing IndyCar, was in the championship lead, I think, up until last last race. You know, do they say, hey, maybe we want to get one of these people back or even a Roman Grosjean come back? Yeah, but you're implying that Williams is going to fork out a ton of cash for drivers. In any of those scenarios, because well, they're all... I don't think Romain comes back. I, I think Roman... They're, they're, like, they're, they're not. No, exactly. They're not. I think. But you don't have to fork out cash for those drivers. Would you like to drive an F1, former F1 driver or F2 driver? <laughs> it all shakes out and all of a sudden Nico Hulkenberg actually has a seat. <laughs> hey, look, he could be the guy. If Danny Rick decides he's taking his bag of money and going to the U.S., he could be a guy who gets the Alpines. 
or if he only gets his bag of money, if he doesn't race an F1 next year, like Kimmy did back in, what was it, the couple of years he sat out, then Alpine's kind of looking around to say, who do we get? And maybe it's Nico Hulkenberg or Roman Grosjean, like making up the all French team. Yeah, but like Hulkenberg is the only guy that I can think of. Like who has raced in F1 the last couple of years who's currently out of a drive and is very experienced? And also, I probably has his number on speed dial. Yeah, absolutely. You know more. In the reserve for the racing points anyway. So Yeah, you're right, Phil. Could they get back Joel and Palmer? Oh, my goodness. Back in a Renault. Oh, at least, we, at least we get different commentators then. Yeah. Karun! Come on, Karun! Let's do it again! His super, license, his super license has expired, but Paul DeRest's is still good. Oh, you're right. <laughs> that's fair. That's a whole different story, right? And Otmar knows Paul DeResta. Yeah. 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 That's right. You heard it here first, fellas. Gareth Stackhouse is going to be driving an F1 next year. <laughs> All I have to do is get skills and lose how many tens of dozens of pounds? Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, a few dozen. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, no, no. I feel like once Belgium comes around, we'll know whether or not all this stuff is going to litigation. The lawyers are making a lot of money, but the Piastri, Ricardo, blah, blah, blah thing, or whether it just it gets worked out and we just end up kind of waiting around to see who takes that last William seat. Lots of silliness to be had yet still. You know what we didn't talk about, fellas, is the driver standing and the fun series of permutations happening in the driver's series in general, right? Like, Max has this thing locked up. Let's call it there. But then if you look down the rows, there are actually some really great battles, right? There's, you know, Charles and Checo. There's George and Carlos and Lewis, really. Mm-hmm. And then, like, in the next year, you've got, like, Lando and Esteban. And then you've got this wicked Valtteri Fernando thing going on. Like, Fredo's doing his thing. And then, like, from 11 down to 20, 11 down to 19. Sorry, Spence, but Latifi's not in this thing. Let's call it 11 down to 16, which is like... Yeah, it's 11 to 16 up close, right? Yeah, because K-Mag's in 11th on 22 points. Danny Rick's behind him on 19. You go down, and then Yuki's there in 16th on 11 points, and there's... Oh, Gasly and Vettel actually tied on 16 points apiece. Like that whole... You know, you finish in the top 10 in the WDC. As long as you're not in the top three car, you're probably done okay. So this kind of best of the rest battle here is pretty interesting. I think so. Like It's not just like the normal fun in the midfield. Like, this is good fun here. And one thing we know for certain, Nicholas Latifi will be last. I don't know. He might be able to catch Alex. He might be able to. We'll might, might be able to get three points over the course of the next nine races. But you're assuming that Albon's not going to get a couple of more points. Okay, fine. I'll be optimistic. He might be able to catch, you know, <laughs> gone for a walk boy. Yeah. Randy, uh, I don't even like saying his name. Sorry. Randy, you asked me earlier on in this podcast, will Williams ten points? And my answer is still absolutely not. Look, I hope that Nicholas has a good end of the year. And if it's the end of his career in F1, so be it. I hope it's a good ride. But there's absolutely no way these guys are going to come anywhere close to whoever's going to finish ninth. No way. Oh, God, no. Oh, no. no. I'm, I'm looking at 17th to 20th at this point. We're just trying to see if Latifi's not dead last. That's the question mark. Because we, we, we've, we've got the basement of like 17th through 21st, which is Joe on five points, Lance Stroll on four points, Alex Albon on three, and Latifi on zero, and Hulkenberg, who only did two races on zero. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. But like, in order to not be there, he has to either beat Albon, which I think we all agree is not going to happen. Or he's mm-hmm. got to beat someone in another team. 
Right. And I don't see that happening either. Like Lance Stroll is going to have five more 10th place finishes this year. Don't get me wrong. I really do hope that he scores a couple of points before he rounds out his career with zero. What do you mean? He had points last year. Oh, did he have points last year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah. All right. I was trying to defend the kid now, Spence, just to support your argument, but okay. Do you, do you remember last year that Latifi was ahead of Russell in the driver standings for actually right. quite a ways? Until Russell got that bullshit yeah. podium in <laughs> yeah. At Spa. Spa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I need another drink. I think my brain cells disappeared on that one. I remember now. Nick Latifi was 17th in the championship last year on seven points. He beat Giovinizzi, remember him, Mick Schumacher. Robert Kubica, remember him, and Nikita Mazepin, remember him? So he beat Italian Jesus, he beat a race winner, and he beat the best thing to come out of Russia since, and I forget that last one, but he beat Italian Jesus, <laughs> and he beat a <laughs> race winner. <laughs> he was within three points of tying, was it 2007 world champion Kimi Raikkonen? Yeah. Fairness, he had a better car, but I mean, yeah. Yeah, Latifi almost tied with the world champion. But it would be nice to see him just score a couple of points this year so he can say he went out without, like, a complete goose egg. He went out with a bing? No, he went out with the O. No bing. Uh, he went out with the O, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Latifi goes down with the L. minutes boys winter wins so tell me first thing what is the race you are most looking forward to the rest of this season japan suzuka suzuka is just a high speed super technical punishes you for mistakes circuit we haven't been there since 2019 japanese fans are fantastic can't wait for that yeah that's gonna be a great way to spend thanksgiving weekend i hear you canadian thanksgiving which is the proper thanksgiving everybody spence race you're looking most forward to Singapore. I love a night race. Haven't been there in a little while. It'll be, you know, maybe not the most exciting from a overtaking perspective, but we, we've had some good ones there. So I'm excited for that. All right. Phil? For me, it's Brazil. I love that circuit. I love that track. And I love the fact it's counterclockwise, which is always fun. That's just because you're contrarian generally. Must be. Yes, exactly. That's the one I'm most looking forward to, but I will echo what Spence and Gareth said. I think those two races, Singapore and Japan, man, they're going to be amazing again. I think all these flyways are going to be nice, but my pick is Mexico. Mexico is a huge party, and because it's an afternoon race for us to watch, I'm drinking that thing while I drink a pitcher of margarita. Like, there's no way that I can't have fun watching this race. Yeah. It has luchadores in the stands. Right? Your text messages will be even more incoherent than normal. Yeah, whatever. I don't need to spell. You can be fine. No, I think Mexico is going to be great. I'm super excited for it. All right. Crazy predictions for this last part of the season. We got eight races left. Nine. What's going to happen, Spence? Okay, crazy prediction, like just like right out of left field. I think it's quite possible that Ferrari is going to fuck up some more strategy calls in the second half. Just coming out of nowhere. I think think that is absolutely (laughs) possible. That's just trend analysis. That's not a crazy prediction. (laughs) What the fuck are you talking about? Oh, we covered that at the beginning of the show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're right. All right. Here, in, in all seriousness, my crazy prediction is that you're going to see Joe Guan Yu. He's going to make it actually kind of close with Valtteri. He has been really, speaking of trend analysis, trending in the right direction. 
had a lot of really strong results. He knows the car now. I think that he is going to continue to close the gap, and he's going to outperform Valtteri through the end of the year. Valtteri probably is going to nip him just based on the, the big lead he's got already. But you know what? He's going to do enough to save his seat. He's going to be back next year, and he's going to be a force. Okay, good stuff. Professor? Crazy prediction. Crazy prediction. I mean, the predictable prediction, I think, is already being covered. Crazy prediction. I'm going to go with that Alfa Romeo is going to close the gap to the McLaren and the Alpine battle. And ultimately, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, McLaren's going to come out on top of those three by a smidgen of a margin. McLaren on top. I like it. All right. I had to think of something different. Stacks. Crazy prediction. We're going to see either an Alonzo or McLaren win. Ooh, like that. Ah, all right. Going out on them. I like it. They're nipping at the heels. There's going to be some race where some shit goes down and somebody's in the right place. Or Alonzo's on one of those weekends where he is just samurai, Jedi, knight, master. And you get the Alonzo win or get that Norris first win. Or Danny pulls out another, hey, fuck you, McLaren win. Good to see it. Note, I didn't say Esteban Ocon. I don't think he's going to win another race. No. I like it. But I'll say this. It all depends on how much the two teams, Alpon and McLaren, have fucked up their relationship with their drivers. With this whole driver silliness that's happening. Because they could royally fuck up and then ultimately... Alfa Romeo can come through and actually score enough points to get themselves into fourth. And none of these tracks are tracks where you want to be in your head. Like, none of these tracks are ones where you want to be distracted. So. No. 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 And, I mean, Lando Norris isn't going to be distracted because he's a long-term contract. And, you know, I mean, Fernando Alonso is only there for Fernando Alonso. So he's just going to try to win everything. I changed it literally moments ago. I was going to call that Checo beats Max at the Netherlands because Max runs into some mechanical trouble. But actually, as I think about it, and maybe it's a little bit of wishful thinking, but for me, my wild, crazy, stupid prediction is Danny Rick shows up in Japan and owns the fucker. Like, just nails it to show that he is a driver of quality. Just because Japan's an unknown quantity, and that's where Danny thrives. Fair. That actually made me think. Is there a driver that is, because they used to be in the olden days, Japan had a great racing scene and setup scene. And so a lot of the drivers had spent a lot of time at Suzuka. I'm just trying to think if the current driver lineup... I don't think there's anybody that's driven that track in a long time, right? Like, I mean, call it two years for COVID. Nobody's driven that track. It hasn't been on the circuit for years. And a lot of those guys have taken their brakes off. It's not like it used to be, like where you had like three, four months of not racing where you could go to Japan and just fly through that circuit on the cars. Like, it's just not there anymore. And you'd have to look at and see who has done super formula, which is basically Japanese open wheel racing, IndyCar kind of thing in the last few years. I don't think anybody really has. I feel like Stoffel Van Dorn was like the last person who really did a lot of that. Speaking of which, the waffle wins Formula E. Stoffel, you flying waffle. (laughs) That, That was a sign at like a Chinese Grand Prix one year and it stuck with me. Just kills me. Here's another crazy prediction. So Mexico is our third last race of the year. Max is going to have the title wound up then. Red Bull goes all in on Checo winning the Mexican Grand Prix, and Checo wins. A Mexican driver wins a Mexican Grand Prix. That would be unreal. Bold move. I like it. That is just smart branding for Red Bull if they do it that way. They lock up Digicel money for another several years. They win some fans. Yeah. Dear Carlos Slim, here you go. Keep sending us all the money for all these Mexican things on the car. And we'll sell. From a branding standpoint, like that is the smart move. Can you imagine how much Red Bull you'd sell in Mexico? All of it. You'd sell all of it. All of it. 
So let's take another prediction. Low lights of these last eight races. What do you think is going to be one of the... Really? You did that, really? Outside of Ferrari's strategy, which we know is going to happen. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I have one, Randy. Do it. Inconsistent stewarding really messes everybody up. And it's just inconsistent week to week or even like session to session. And the inconsistent stewarding just fucks everybody up again. And Gareth gives us track one, side one of <laughs> Beethoven's fifth. Like, that's not going to happen. What the fuck? <laughs> totally predictable. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Phil, Gareth, crazy side bet prediction. Which of these eight races is the first one that gets Spence jacked to the tits? Singapore, because he's on his Saturday night scotch kick. That's a 5 a.m. Sunday morning race for me, unfortunately. Oh, I was going to say, well, yeah. he was on the scotch kick the night before then. So you're looking for Japan. That's going to be the only night race I've got this fall. I'm saying it's Mexico, man. I'm saying Mexico is kind of afternoon-ish for you, and you're going to be like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's bring on the Cervasia. Let's go. I was going to go say the U.S., but okay. I'm just excited about Mexico. I don't know what to say. All right. Well, that's another episode of Flippin' F1. As always, here with the boys, as always, we will be back on September 2nd or 4th or sometime soon thereafter to snooze fest over the netherlands but until then i'm your host with the most randy say good night fellas spence good night fellas gareth good night fellas phil good night but we've got a race before netherlands in spa but we'll see you next weekend i don't think so <laughs> don't break out that skirt just yet though phil <laughs> i will not be bringing the skirt but no good night guys it's been fantastic and fun as always Absolutely. We'll see you in Belgium. And if we don't see you in Belgium, we'll see you soon after that. We'll try to get some regular episodes out. As always, we'd love a follow if you want to follow us on Twitter at, at FlippinF1. And of course, if you enjoyed this podcast, wherever you're listening to, Apple, Spotify, wherever, please drop us five stars or drop us a review. We'd love to hear what you think, especially that one listener we have in India. And no, that's not my mom. Fuck off. So... Y'all have a great night. We will chat soon. Flippin' F1 is edited by Eric Wellman. He makes us sound much better than we actually do. 